G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Hi, it's Brett Phillips here, host of The First Serve, and thank you for downloading the latest edition of Crunching the Numbers, one of our podcast offerings here at The First Serve. You can get your weekly live tennis fix with The First Serve every Monday night on the SCN Radio Network at 7pm Eastern. All the broadcast details of how you can listen can be found at our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers, the first serves in-depth look at the art and science of playing the game. Well, welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm your host, Mark Sapoulos, from the Tennis Menu. And we are joined, as always, by the man who crunches numbers in all sports, cricket, tennis, you name it, he does it. Shane Leonage from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Thank you, Shane, for joining us once again. Hi everyone, um, here from lockdown, but uh, uh, hopefully everyone's doing well. Yeah, it's not an easy time in Melbourne and it's not an easy time across the world. Hopefully we're getting on top of the COVID situation. Today, Shane, we have an interesting topic, which is something that I know you love talking about. It's about the return of serve positioning. Um, and we're going to probably utilize Roger Federer's returns a little bit in terms of his court position. We're also going to bring up some other examples of court positioning on the returns because At the end of the day, we're returning every second game that we play in a singles match. So we need to be returning really well. And we want to know how do the best players do it? Talk about Roger Federer, talk about his data, talk about his stats, because I think it's a really important uh, message to uh, to give to everybody. I might start start there, as Mark said. And then um, um, for for those listening, if you you want to see a a visual representation of this, go to the tennis menu. Instagram or Twitter page and, and, and you'll see uh, a visual graphic of what I'm talking about, about Roger's return positions. And, and, and we've broken up this visual into a couple of categories. So how he returns uh, against players under five foot seven, so 175 centimetres. He's only 34 centimetres behind the baseline for them. And then opponents in between five foot seven and, and six foot one, he, he is a, a little bit further back at 39 centimetres. And then players from six foot one to six foot four, He's 44 centimetres, and that's the, on average, the, the, the further he is behind the baseline. And then from six foot four to six foot seven, he's 42 centimetres. And then for players over six foot seven, he is back at the same um, position um, as players under five foot seven at 34 mm-hmm. centimetres behind the baseline. So I thought, uh, fascinating stuff. Let's start there, Mark. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting stat that when you're playing a player that's under 175 centimetres, and you're playing a player who's six foot seven and above, you're standing in the same spot. Now, the coach's hat comes on here where I'm talking, Shane, because I think that there is a really important one for players, coaches to learn because what Roger is trying to do ultimately is get the ball in his strike zone. Now, when a player is 175 centimetres, the serve is going to come through at a lower, lower height and a lower range. So you don't want to let the ball drop at your ankles if you're too far back. Same applies for when you're playing someone who's got a big serve. The bounce of the ball and the trajectory of the ball is going to bounce at a higher and steeper rate. So it's going to get above your shoulders a lot quicker if you are further back behind the baseline. So basically what Roger is trying to do in both instances is take the ball in his strike zone. As we know as coaches and players alike, if you hit the ball in your strike zone, your power and precision on the ball is a lot better than if you're above your shoulders or below your knees. 
So what we try and do is we try and teach our players to hit the ball in their ideal strike zone, which is generally around the hips to shoulders mark. And that there will give us the most efficient ball striking ability that we can. So in that situation, all he's trying to do is step into a spot where he knows he's going to hit the ball into his strike zone. Obviously, so many people have different ranges of, um, of strike zone, obviously different, different game styles, and Roger likes to hold his court position. And that's another example because he's an all-court player. He wants to hold court position to be able to then proceed forward to the net a little bit and take time away from his opponent. And I think it, with the smaller players, Roger's confident he's not going to get rushed and he can take control of the point pretty, pretty early on. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, I think he is all back to play. And I'm talking here, Isners and the, the colors, just that he, he's uh, got a really good chance of, um, of, of taking control of the rally and, and winning the points. So I think that comes into his sort of thought, thought process as well. But I thought I'd introduce a few, a few other players. And, and Rafael Nadal's a really, really interesting one if you, if you watch him play, particularly on the hard courts. He will alternate his return position more than anyone. So I recall up in the US Open final against Kevin Anderson um, and even the semi final against Matteo Berrettini last year. Nadal was either right next to the linesman returning or he was only me behind the baseline. And he will continue to tinker with that um, during the match. Um, any thoughts on that, Mark? That's an interesting one. I think Rafa is one of the most um, adaptable athletes out there. So basically, I think it's a lot due to his intent. So as a player, you have an intent. What do I want the ball to do? When Rafa is sitting right back behind the baseline, we know he wants to get the ball to jump. So he sits back and he lets the ball come down to his strike zone and he hits up the back of the ball with a steep swing path that swing path then creates height and shape and that height and shape gets the ball to bounce higher on the other end of the court whereas if he's playing someone that doesn't like to hit a ball fast off their serve so they don't like to recover off the serve quick or they can't recover off the serve quick Rafa steps in and plays a bit flatter through the line of the ball it's an interesting scenario because I think Rafa can do both there's not many players that can do that uh, on the tour. I think he's one of very few that can either shape the ball or flatten it out the way they need to. And I think he's got an, an amazing ability to adapt that situation. Federer can hit high and heavy, but because of his swing path and his swing shapes and his grips, he doesn't quite have the same jump on the ball that Nadal does. So he can't really do the same um, or play the same way. So Rafa has an innate ability to do that. He hits the ball heavy. Um, he can change his game from, from front to back. Also, if he wants to use his forehand more, he probably steps off the court a little bit to be able to give himself more time to run around his forehand. So there's a lot of, a lot of factors in that perspective. And obviously, it's very different to probably what Novak Djokovic would do, Shane, I'm guessing. You're absolutely spot on. And we do something at DDSA called variability analysis on, on return positions. And Novak Djokovic comes up the very top in terms of the, the least variability. So his return position doesn't really change against lefties. He's almost spot on in the same spot. So let's let's dive into that one, Mark. Look, I, I think Novak's one of the most amazing counterpunchers you'll ever see. I mean, he can play from a counterpuncher to an aggressive baseliner. He's got a very good range of baseline play, but he's very even across the board with backhand and forehand. And it's almost like his backhand's his better shot at times in defense. So he generally just sits in that same spot and utilizes and counterpunches the ball speed to be able to then counter-attack on the second or third ball. I think that's the, the ability he has. And, but it's interesting because I look at that and I look at someone like Danil Medvedev, who's a very similar kind of a player to, to Novak. But Danil Medvedev's court position is generally pretty far back on return of serve. So, you know, you look at it and go, well, they're trying to adapt to their game styles and to their opponents. But also, they're so flexible in the way that they play. The top players can really play in any court position they want. But, you know, Novak obviously is very hard to push off the court. 
He's a very strong athlete, core-wise. He doesn't he doesn't get pushed back off the court at all. So he can hold his court position really well. And that's the the benefit of, of Novak Djokovic's game is that you can't bully him around the court because he's so good defensively. And that's obviously the three different players we've, we've brought up in Federer, Nadal and Djokovic are all very different. Federer would like to come forward. Rafa would like to go back at times and Novak holds right in the middle. So it's amazing how all three players have had such success with, with totally different styles of game, different stroke production, different intent. But, you know, obviously it's important to play within your style of game and get the best out of that style that you can. And you can throw Serena in there as well. I think she's quite similar to Novak in the sense that I think she doesn't change her first return serve return position a lot. And, and the second serve, she's is obviously a, lot, a bit more aggressive. She doesn't really vary that during the match. She's almost in the same spot. Player that's had sustained success playing to her strengths. That's an interesting one. I just want to go back to that because how many female players, and I'm not sure if you've got numbers or anything on this but I wouldn't suggest that many female players would alter their court position backwards but more importantly that alter their position from neutral position to forward more often than not you're you're spot on and I think the variation is a lot lot lower in 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 the women's game from from my analysis and and I think we've talked about this stat before the second server uh, often it's either right on the baseline or a meter in front of the baseline that's how aggressive the return position is in in at the WTA tour level yeah and they obviously try and get that first strike and the first strike generally for females instead of being the first ball like the men's is almost like the return of serve yeah. so if they can get a really good first strike on that return of serve they're in a good position to win win the point and that's the difference between the male and female game is the males obviously have a bigger serve and it's harder to get a strike on the return but the female game is a little bit less ball speed on that serve so they generally like to take take the initiative and really control from the returns touch on a practical example um a player that i've been uh, fortunate enough to get to work with this year uh, on Devon. she's improved vast parts of the game um but the return was something that we, we didn't really see a big improvement from the last couple of years and uh, one of the things that she she doesn't do is well she doesn't vary her return position often uh, she has days when she loses a significant amount in the return games and throughout the whole match she hasn't made an adjustment so um, i know that was something i gave Dar- to the coach and he's been sort of educating her on identifying things like the wind or there might be a slope on the court or you know you're not feeling your return so maybe take, have a bit more time and and that's something I think we've also done with um, one of our athletes Catherine Mark we think first serve return is was incredible in the tournament that she played but a second serve return didn't do as well yeah absolutely and it's something that from a coaching perspective, you've got to get the data on and not necessarily change it in the match. You've got to change it in practice. You know, the match, the, the pressure in matches is is so high that you don't want to be, you know, manipulating the way you play. It's important to be able to do that in the training court and go out there and work on what you need to work on in training to get the player confident so when the match does come about, they can actually execute that on match day. And that's obviously a really critical component of coaching is the ability to get the player to trust the process. And the process and the data together is really important and strong moving forward to get them better on match day. Definitely. And I think, um, again, this is probably similar to a lot of the messaging that we've, we've sort of talked about in the series where the coach and the, the analyst um, need to work together, identify not only using the historical data, but the coach's uh, intuition on how the coaches, the player's feeling and trying to bring that together and then being able to apply that to a match. Absolutely. And that's almost a discussion that, you know, and I love what analysts do. I think they break the game down really well. I think coaches have the ability to understand their athletes. So bringing that to those two bits of information together makes your argument a lot 
more convincing because you need to be able to discuss with your athlete whether or not they're comfortable going forward on the return, coming back on the return, being more aggressive on it or sitting more off it. And that's the kind of discussions that you need to have. And, you know, coaching has changed a lot over the last 15, 20 years, probably showing my age now, but I started coaching at the age of 14. So I've been coaching for 24 years. In that time, coaching has gone from almost a dictatorship to a very collaborative approach. And that's where I feel like the, the collaboration that the data analyst has with the coach and the athlete decide what the next step is to improve their returns is very critical. So the numbers can tell you one thing, the vision can show you one thing, but you need to be able to work with your athlete to say, hey, are you comfortable? We want you coming into the court a little bit more because this is the results that you're getting when you do that. Um, and they've got to be able to say yes or no. You've got to then go on the practice court You've got to work on it. You've got to get them comfortable doing it. You've got to get them comfortable doing it in a situation, so under pressure or, you know, juice or, you know, second serve. And then from that, then the player can then go into the match and execute. And that's a really important factor is, you know, it's all about the player's execution, not about the coach's messaging and the data that you give them. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Mark, because um, just because the data shows something and the vision shows something, it doesn't mean overnight you can fix it. There is a process of, you know, practicing training making sure it's embedded and then executing it in an actual match and that doesn't happen overnight so it's important that that sort of collaborative effort with the coach and the the analyst you can pick out things that are going to take some time and pick out things that you work on absolutely 100 percent correct and obviously you know the return positions for us are really critical hence the reason we've brought this topic up today and hopefully you know the listeners out there you can learn a little bit from this and be able to go out there and experiment with your athletes but ensure that you talk to your athletes first about what they're comfortable doing because at the end of the day it's all about them not about us shane thanks once again obviously as you said there's a great graphic on the tennis menu social media page around the return of serve of roger federer so if you get an opportunity please go and check that out but once again shane obviously the the information is is valuable for a lot of coaches and athletes and obviously tennis lovers out there to be able to now look for when they watch their next tennis match so once again thank you for your time in uh, in researching what you do and and obviously bring to uh, bring to us the, the the fact about the game and not just the opinion. So you know, I really thank you for your time. No, thanks, Mark, and uh, uh, everyone, stay safe, um, particularly uh, those confined in in Victoria. Um, um, yeah, looking forward to when we can all go out and have fun, but. But now let's um, let's do what the government's advising us and stay safe. That's right. And you can find Shane Leonage at Data Driven Sports Analytics. He's all over social media. He brings the numbers every single day. Check him out. Uh, super content and a superman. So thanks very much, Shane. And also the tennis menu. We are launching in August. Uh, please make sure you get to the tennismenu.com for all the information. We're launching in August. Social media pages are up and running and firing. Check us out. That's been another episode of Crunching the Numbers. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to all our weekly content, including past editions of Crunching the Numbers, as well as our dedicated commercial radio program each Monday on SEN that you may have missed at 7 p.m. Eastern. Aussies only and in the huddle produced by study and play USA subscribe to the first serve your home of tennis g'day Mike Hussey here get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game KFC Supercoach BBL it's fun free and easy to play play today at supercoach.com.au T's and C's apply New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005